Welcome to Sew and Tell, where sewists from fashion, theater, and indie sewing bring their different perspectives to the hottest topics in the sewing community. I'm Kate Zeinard. And I'm Meg Healy. Today on the podcast, we're welcoming National Embroidery Month with a discussion of machine embroidery. Amanda was unfortunately unable to record with us today, but instead we have the fabulous Ginger Sheila Tadic joining us as a guest host. So welcome, Ginger. Yes, Hi. welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, I feel honored to be here Aww. and uh, so excited to see you ladies. As you may remember, Ginger joined us when Meg was away on her honeymoon. I guess she gets a pass on that one. Um, so we're just delighted to have her back with us today. Yes, no, and such a fun month to come back in. Yay. Oh, yes, embroidery month. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be interesting. It really is. How's everybody yeah. doing before we start talking about that? Good. Yeah, no, the, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I was super busy this whole weekend because today we actually launched our uh, Zen courses on the So Daily TV uh, class. So I was updating all of the files. What's so amazing about this uh, course is it comes in three different variations. You have Zen 1, uh, Zen 2, and then you can buy it as a combo as well. And uh, so I was uploading a lot of files this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work, but uh, I do appreciate anything Zen. Oh, yes, yes. And uh, yeah, so you guys can find out all that information on there. And, uh, you know, for National Embroidery Month, this was the, the course of choice that uh, we're starting the month out with. And uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Awesome. Uh-huh. Did you have a good weekend, Meg? Yes, I did. I was recovering from traveling. And uh, as you guys might not, yeah, you guys uh, know Ginger works with us. She's a lovely producer uh, that works and she works a lot with me when I, when I travel to go film. She is absolutely amazing. Picks me up, drops me off at my hotel. (laughs) She's, (laughs) I feel like, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we see each other over video, but um, I've just, I feel like I've been seeing you, yeah, all week. So it's great to always see you guys in in person. So yeah, I was just recovering. It's just that two hour time change, eh? It really can just, that little tweak and I was checking all weekend to adjust. (laughs) So I'm ready to go back. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely does. Mm -hmm. And I will drive you anytime anywhere Meg it's a joy (laughs) yeah and then also before we jump in too I wanted to uh, also plug in with a special coupon code a sequin webinar that I'm doing next it would be yeah Monday this so when you're uh, listening to this it will be Monday February 10th and I haven't done a live webinar in so long and so I'm excited to jump back in so if you want to join me live it starts at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and for special a special code for so Intel listeners you can join me at five dollars off just using the code so and tell five um and that's with the the symbol of and and you get patterns with it and i talk all about sequins and just fun stuff so just wanted to get that in there before before i forgot (laughs) oh yeah you know meg i love the jumpsuit that you made for this uh webinar it's so cute it's like green lime green sequin of course it's lime green lime green sequins it's a jumpsuit (laughs) 
she uh, drafted the pattern herself from two different um, for a top pattern and a bottom pattern and it's it's just super cute um, so yeah I'm gonna sneak in there and figure out how she did that for yeah sure. and they can register at so daily TV and then once you register you're gonna get an email that tells you how to sign up at go to webinar because we actually run the live webinar through go to webinar but you have to basically buy the webinar on the uh, so daily TV site all right so but yeah but use that coupon it comes in handy good to know (laughs) (laughs) all right shall we jump in everybody ready yeah let's do it okay let's do it so february of course is national embroidery month you may or may not have known that but we know that um now i don't want to slight hand embroidery we'll even talk about it in a little bit but of course as i'm the managing editor for creative machine embroidery i do have a bit of a soft spot for machine embroidery and the amazing things you can do with it so let's talk a bit about embroidering with a machine So the first thing I want to ask you ladies is, what do you actually know about machine embroidery? Because I don't know what our listeners know, so let's uh, get that laid out first. Anybody? Yeah, Meg, you want to go first on this one? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, I know a little bit. I'm dabbling. I'm kind of a (laughs) self-taught machine embroiderist (laughs) as I uh, got uh, an embroidery machine a couple years ago and... As I said before in this podcast, I don't like reading instructions, so I just thought, oh, let's just try and give it a go and some <laughs> failed attempts. And I <laughs> I can do minor things, but I did just get a new uh, embroidery machine in last week. It's the uh, SVP. Um, no, we're not. Yeah, it's the Viking um, Husqvarna designer Brilliance 80. And I'm Ooh. super excited to experiment with that because that's like a more intense embroidery machine. So I... I, I know a little. I've done I've done some here and there, but I would I definitely have questions. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that later. Yeah. No. And mine is very very minimal. I'm I'm pretty new to garment sewing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been quilting for a while and haven't had the opportunity to really use a lot of embroidery. I have used like on the machine that I have. It's not an embroidery machine, but like I've uh, spelled out my name, you know, for oh, to yeah. put on the back of a quilt and like so. so oh, nice. That's kind of fun. <laughs> um, you know, just uh, that type of thing. But uh, yeah, all the other stuff that I've done, it's literally been when you've been holding my hand and kind of walking <laughs> me through. Uh, Kate has been so generous to kind of lend uh, whenever I needed anything. She's been like, sure, let's go. And so, yeah, so mine's pretty minimal too. So Mm. lots of questions on my end too. Mm -mm. Well, the kind that you do on your regular sewing machine is also machine embroidery. Um, Technically, I mean, there are two different kinds of ways that you can think about machine embroidery. Um, You could think about it as um, the ones that use the specialty machines or just doing any sort of embroidery on machines, which, as you know, is perfectly doable on a lot of machines, especially if they have fancy stitches. So just a quick description for any of you who aren't familiar with the process. Um, a machine, uh, machine embroidery usually involves a machine that um, reads a special type of file, a design file, and you... Um, put that into the machine in some way and it reads the file and then it knows where to stitch to make this design and you know you know what these look like this is like if you have an embroidered baseball cap or anything like that that's what you're looking at you're looking at machine embroidery Um, and so 
the process of doing it, you take your fabric and put it into a special embroidery hoop, not the kind that you can generally buy at the store that are just round and tight up, but they're designed specifically for the machine you're using and they hook into the machine. Um, and then you put it in there with stabilizer and then you put that onto the machine and you change out your colors and it will stitch the design for you. So hopefully that made some sort of sense. I feel like maybe I skipped ahead a bit, but um, so when we talk about hoops, we're talking about those specific kind of machine hoops um, today. And uh, mostly we'll be talking about the kind you do on a specialty machine. But as I mentioned, there are a couple other ways to do it. You can use specialty stitches that you have on a regular sewing machine, or you can do what's called free motion um, embroidery. And that's where you disengage your feed dogs or cover them with something uh, so they can't grab a hold of your fabric. And then you use a free motion foot and you just move your fabric however you want to and um, stitch as fast as you want to to create whatever kind of stitches you want to create um, just by moving your hands around. Which that's, is That sounds terrifying. I know it does. <laughs> I've never actually tried it. And I'm also kind of terrified by it. For that one, though, yeah. you just need the regular kind of embroidery hoop. <laughs> Have you ever tried it, Meg? <laughs> yeah, I actually, tr I have actually tried that. I made a pair of oven mitts. Um, let's just say they are in the garbage. Uh, <laughs> 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 it didn't work out. So <laughs> it was just ugly. Like it was just a bunch of loop de loop. It was just. It was. Right. I, I more did it just to experiment with it, but I. I, I it's definitely interesting. And beware the hands, too. That was kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, one of these days I want to try it out. Um, and it's actually really helpful for quilting if you want to mm -hmm. do it that way because yep. you can free motion quilt like that, do your stippling or whatever. Um, the other thing is I have seen some wonderful things created with uh, free motion embroidery. And I'm going to actually link in the show notes to this um, textile artist who um, makes these designs with free motion uh, embroidery and then she forms them and starches them into these like uh, these shapes and they're just they're beautiful they're like sculptures made of thread and they're really cool so um, that's Anne Honeyman and I will be linking that in the show nice. notes so you can take a look because it is really cool. That's awesome. Ooh. And I feel like when you do the free uh, motion, it takes away the magic of like when you hit the button and it goes and you get it's like a ghost that's in there doing everything. So. Right. Well, and yeah, with the free motion, you're working the entire time. Mm -hmm. Whereas with the regular machine embroidery, you just put it in and walk, you can walk away. And if nothing goes terribly wrong, right. when you come back, you'll have something pretty cool. Yep. It's like magic. It is. It is. I, I'm, I'm always amazed by it. The funny thing is actually... Um, I was, uh, my husband got a 3D printer for Christmas and I was sitting watching the process and I'm like, it's just like an embroidery mm -hmm. machine, except that there's that extra dimension, the, the height yep. dimension. And, mm. uh, I have this terrible problem when he starts printing something. I'm always ask I always ask him, what are you stitching? <laughs> and he's like, what? I'm like, I'd be printing. What are you printing? <laughs> um, oh, right. So I think we've kind of already answered my next question. My next question, which was, have you tried machine embroidery? Um, so what kind of projects have you actually made um, using machine embroidery at all? Well, one of the things that I did, which uh, you totally helped me with, is my daughter's like really into cosplay. Mm -hmm. And so we had done this really cool. It was a um, Captain Marvel jumpsuit, um, like the uh, the one that the main character um 
oh, help me, Kate. Uh, uh, Carol Danvers. Yes, Carol Danvers. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, no, God, I'm, I'm never going to have Carol Danvers wears. It's her flight suit. Mm-hmm. And on there, the machine that we were using, it was a brother's machine, and they have a deal with Marvel. And so they had all these different Marvel characters that we could pick from. And uh, we ended up picking an, oh, my God, it was the cutest little Nick Fury. Oh, I can send so you guys so a picture, and you guys can take a look at it. It is absolutely adorable. So on the jumpsuit, we had actually, um, Kate had helped me uh, stitch that. And that was literally the first thing I think that I had ever <laughs> stitched. And the whole process was just, it was so much fun. Like, even just picking the thread. Like, I never thought just, like, seeing all the color choices and mm-hmm. all that. Like, I, I don't know. I was just kind of on the edge of my seat as you were walking me through the whole process. Yeah. And uh, it was great. It could be really overwhelming, thread yeah. choosing. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So, but you were such a pro. You were oh. just like, oh, yeah, this will work. That'll work. And I'm like, awesome. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> yeah, this is great. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't I didn't bring on Ginger just so she could come. Yeah. Just so y'all know. She's just doing it. So I can't help it. <laughs> How about you, Meg? <laughs> I mean, not compliment me. I mean, what yeah, well, objects have you made? <laughs> oh. <laughs> now, what great things do you have to say about No, I will say you did save my, uh, you did save a project for sure. When I was uh, embroidering Minky, uh, I was like, this does not work. And you're like, do you have that film that goes on top? I was like, no. And you're like, yeah, you might need that. And it's, it was perfect after that. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I made a lot of tea towels and gifts. I love a basic tea towel because then you can really make, mm-hmm. it's all about the embroidery. And I just think it's like a fun, fun gift. You can really customize it to who you're giving it to. And like, that was really fun doing, doing those. Uh, but what I've done for myself is my favorite thing is I made the denim jacket and I embroidered that. And that was super cool. I still wear it all the time. I'll definitely post a picture in the show notes, but that's, that's kind of my main thing that I have embroidered and, and worn. I have an embroidered skirt, but it just, it turned out, it was kind of an experiment and it was super ugly. So I got rid of that, but my denim jacket's <laughs> still, in, still in the rotation. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah. jacket's really cool. I, I love that one. Yeah. And I feel like denim's mm-hmm. one of those things oh, I that love just, it. Y- any type of embroidery that you use, it, it makes the embroidery look even cooler. Because I do feel like sometimes with embroidery, <gasps> yeah. there's this fine line between, you know, and not that I, I, I love my grandma to death, but I'm not ready to do like the grandma embroidery, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I feel like it does get kind <laughs> of a bad rep on that front. <laughs> yeah. But I do feel like you put something on denim and it just instantly makes it cool. <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah, you're, for well, sure. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe if you straight up did like a teddy bear on denim, it still yeah, wouldn't be cool. True. But almost anything else. <laughs> if it's oh for my a little gosh. girl, then the little girl can look cool. That's so. true. <laughs> That's true. It's like the edgy teddy bear. Exactly, <laughs> an edgy teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they exist. Trust me. <laughs> if it's out there, she'll find it. Yeah. Well, um, I've done a lot of uh, projects myself because I usually end up um, doing projects for the magazine, either just to fill in space or when we uh, we do collections with each magazine and we always do a project to feature them. And somehow I ended up doing most of those in the past few years. So I've done tea towels and I've done... Um, and now I've lost it. I don't even know. I've done garments and I've done pillows and I've done all sorts mm-hmm. of things. I think my favorite thing I ever did was for the magazine. Um, it was a it was a little pet bed and it is personalized to my. Well, actually, there are two of them and they are personalized to mm-hmm. my cats. Um, so they have uh, little pictures of um, I, I took an embroidery design and, you know, 
chose the colors to make them look kind of like my cats. And then they say their names in this really nice font along the side. And then they're very fuzzy, like soft minky and faux fur on the top. So the cats actually like to sleep on them, which is pretty amazing. And do they all know their names? Like they know where to go? Um, They do know which pillow is theirs. And that's because I put the pillows in the places where they're most likely to be. (laughs) It's like, Mm. oh, so Patsy sleeps (laughs) on top of the bed. So I'll put the pillow on the bed. And oh, Patsy's sleeping on the pillow. And Romulus likes to hang out on this chair. So I'm going to put this pillow on this chair. And Romulus (laughs) is sleeping on the pillow. So, and I had just enough leftover fabric when my mom got a cat a few uh, months ago. Um, I made him one for Christmas. So my um, brother cat has a um, pillow like his niece and nephew. Oh, he's so. such a good sister. Uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't Aww. think so. He hides when he sees me. Aww. But <laughs> I know I love him. <laughs> so um, when you were doing, this might not apply to you, Ginger, because I know you haven't done much embroidery, but at least for Meg, what was your biggest um, challenge with embroidery and what did you learn from it? Um, well, definitely just be, I don't know, I guess also read the instructions is also a great idea. So I would always go back to it. <laughs> And yeah, well, from the whole Minky experience, I actually tried a velvet moment when I first got my embroidery machine too, and it just went horribly wrong. And I, I didn't reach out to anyone. So what I did is just embroidered on something else, and then cut it out, and then hand stitched it to my velvet jacket. <laughs> and so that kind it's of works. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> and also, I get. I'm going to ask you about this in our next kind of segment, but. Uh, it's just my biggest embroidery challenge is really like placement. I just I I can never and that's what helped me too on the the jacket. I wanted them in a specific spot, and I just I I never know the relationship between the hoop and the markings. Like so, I always want to do ready to wear projects but it's hard because it's easier when you're just doing a piece of fabric and then I always put the piece on it because but if it's a I just it's that's what's really hard for me so I'm just learning kind of that but definitely the uh, textured fabric is that see I don't even know what it's called I'm like that thing that goes o- over top of it uh, <laughs> it's called a topper oh okay well, I'm sorry you go. sounded super snotty so, I, di- I didn't mean to I just forgot for half a second <laughs> oh yeah so that was definitely my huge big learning curve and it just really makes it and also on something underneath it too i think literally the first thing i ever embroidered it was just it was just the fabric was in there there was nothing on top nothing nothing below it it was and so that's definitely my biggest learning curve is stabilizers mm-hmm. and they can mm-hmm. really really make it look so much better like underneath and on top Stabilizers do make a lot of difference. Yeah. Uh, My actually, my biggest mess with embroidery was also with velvet. It was with stretch Mm. velvet. And I wanted to, I was going to make leggings and I wanted to embroider some pretty little designs on the ankles. And I thought I knew exactly what I was doing. I had it all planned out, but I made two terrible mistakes. The first mistake was that I used metallic thread, which would not have been as much of a mistake if I hadn't made the second mistake, which was I decided I needed to shrink the design quite a bit. And really, Mm. if you've got a design, 
um, if you shrink it on your machine, what it'll do is it'll just make all the stitches smaller. And mm. that's okay for about a 10% shrinkage mm. rate. But if you shrink much further than that, the stitches start to get too small and too dense. And that's what I did. I shrunk it too much. And then, so it's making these tiny little dense stitches with metallic thread, which breaks very easily. And so I was like taking three stitches and breaking the thread. And I Ugh. kept trying different mm. things and nothing I did fixed it. And I finally ended up making this horrible mess. And then I went and I was like, okay, this is, this is like just decent enough that I've got to go ahead and make my leggings, my velvet leggings. And then that's when I discovered that the fabric I had did not have enough stretch to it and I couldn't pull them up above my knees. <laughs> so the whole thing was just an utter failure. <laughs> On all fronts, it oh, sounds no. like. Oh, yes. man. So I learned to be a little bit more careful um, when I do uh, embroidery with uh, metallics to make sure that I'm making good choices. Mm -hmm. And I also learned not to shrink my designs too much or actually to expand them too much because the same thing happens. The stitches get too big if you try to make them too much bigger. So um, if you're messing around with it, keep it in that like 10 to 15 percent range to keep things from going completely sideways. <laughs> Yeah, I just I never even yeah, that's totally a factor when you I yeah, when you enlarge it, the the stitches, yeah, they get longer between each one. And then they that's don't necessarily lay correctly on top of the fabric. Yeah. Especially if you have huh. something like velvet with a nap, they're going to end up poking through and it's just it's just going to be uh, a mess. Though I did later so, take that yeah. knowledge that I got and embroidered on the same velvet um, and made a top so I didn't need it to stretch so much. Um, mm. And I did manage to do, I don't think it was the exact same design, but it was from the same collection. And by not shrinking it, mm. <laughs> and I think choosing um, just a shiny thread instead of a metallic thread, I did make a very pretty um, top out of that velvet. So Nice. Go me. Yeah. I mean, I feel like challenges for me on just trying embroidery are timing because I mm -hmm. do feel like it sounds like it's something that you really do need to kind of practice it in order yeah. to really know how to deal with it. And it's like, I'm still learning how to sew garments and I still have quilts that mm -hmm. I want to finish for people. And it's like, where do I find the time to add embroidery to that? Um, so because I, I have a feeling once I start doing it, I am going to really I would love it like because it does yeah. just add such a, a nice element to any project. Well, you know, I think a great place to start is what Meg was saying earlier. Mm -hmm. um, get something that's already that's already made. Okay. Get, or just like a tea towel mm -hmm. is a okay. great thing to do, um, or some something like that, mm -hmm. and um, or a you know, pot holder or something. Yeah. That's al that's already made. That's already constructed. You don't have to worry about that. And just practice the embroidery technique on something that doesn't require a lot of. Um, extra work to it yeah. because then if the embroidery goes bad you're like oh well I ruined a tea towel right. instead of I ruined this thing that I spent yeah, you know, three weeks sewing yep. um, and then if you do have it then and if it goes well then you're like okay so now I know how to do this how mm -hmm. can I take that to the next step all right I'm gonna start with the tea towels yeah, I start like it the tea towels. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what do you guys think about machine embroidery versus hand embroidery what what are the benefits and the the detriments what which how do you feel about those differences do you have any thoughts i know meg you're not a hand you're not a fan of uh hands anything are you like hand stitching in general mm -hmm. 
Yeah, not not a fan of a hand stitching. Just uh, yeah, my palms just get way too sweaty, and I just <laughs> and then yeah, and yeah, I don't know. I guess the only like pro I could see is that it's portable, so it's a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's probably more fun to do like if I'm traveling, just gonna you know blind hem you know a big circle skirt than if I'm doing like a fun embroidery. So that was like the only pro for me, but I wouldn't know how to work. I don't know how I could make it look nice. That's the only thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like machine embroidery because you know I like things exact and pretty and you know, uh, <laughs> so that's the only thing. Yeah. See, I find hand stitching stuff a little less, uh, uh, just uh, not so overwhelming or scary because mm. when I think of the machine, th- that's this whole other element that mm-hmm. I'm just kind of yeah. like not as knowledgeable on. Right. Whereas I feel like the, I've taken, uh, I actually have done some hand stitching uh, embroidery stuff mm. and I've worked with a couple of instructors that have come in and they've shown me just some amazing things that you can do that I can add to my quilts or add to, mm-hmm. you know, any other garments nice. or things like that. So just certain stitches and stuff. So for me, it's more of a control thing. Whereas I feel like I have more control if I'm doing it with my oh, hands yeah. as opposed to the machine. It's kind in the machine's hands at that yeah, point you, you know have to, <laughs> trust, you have to trust the machine to do exactly. its thing and you know sometimes we were talking about this before we started because we were having some technical difficulties you know you come in and you expect it to be exactly the same as it was last time you were here mm-hmm. and it's not always true and sometimes the technology just decides to that's right gotta be mm-hmm. smarter than the machine sometimes yes. and that's hard <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah i i like both um, myself, this is kind of why I asked the question. Um, I like to, I like the sort of, it's not exactly immediate. Um, okay, I've completely lost, uh, completely lost the word and now I've got it again. It's not immediate gratification. Okay, that was awful. <laughs> anyway, it's not immediate gratification, It's but it's pretty fast. I mean, you might have a you might have something that takes four hours to stitch or six hours to stitch. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's done immediately. But the chances of you having a hand embroidery design that's going to take you six hours to stitch is actually pretty small unless it's way tiny, mm-hmm. um, which I actually have cross-stitched little ornaments for people and it took me about an hour and a half each. But um, most of the time, you're not going to have anything that impressive mm-hmm. in that amount of time. So that's fun. But as Meg said, doing it by hand is very portable. It's a lot, it's often mm-hmm. smaller. Um, and I feel like there are, there are details sometimes that you can get that you just can't recreate with machines by hand. And then similarly, there's some things that you can't recreate by hand that you can do on the machine. So all in all, it's, um, they're kind of give or take. And I think it, for me, it kind of depends on my mood. You know, do I feel like sitting and, cross-stitching. I've done a lot of cross-stitching in my life. Um, I'm not as big on the other embroidery stitches. I need to actually get a little bit more into that. Um, Do I feel like sitting there and doing that? A lot of times I do. A lot of times I can't because I have a cat who loves um, to sit on my lap and also loves moving thread. And so Mm -hmm. um, I have sat down several times in the past couple of months and attempted to work on my cross stitch and gotten about three stitches done before I had to stop because she was trying to eat my thread. Um, So, you know, she doesn't really get in the way of the machine embroidery. So there you go. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, last question for this section, I'm going to ask you if you had, if you could do what 
if you had the skills and the um, abilities and all of the materials, what would be the dream embroidery project that you would make or have? Hmm. I'll go first. I thought about this and I really, really want to make like a like a lace or a textile where you just hoop something in what is it water soluble Mm -hmm. that can disappear and then you're left with just like a lace or some or just left with something that you create from scratch instead of embroidering on a fabric i would love to do something like that where i create a lace for like a like an insert somewhere or like a piece or i don't know i want to do that's like my dream if i i i just don't know how to wrap my head around that but i would love to learn more and do something like that create like a scalloped edge you know what i mean is that that's even possible right like that's i'm not just thinking of that right oh, it's absolutely <laughs> possible we should we should chat okay <laughs> she's like that's doable you yeah. can do that yeah, yeah. Do. i can't just make that up did i <laughs> no, 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 no that is a thing that, and it's a really cool. It's a really cool thing. I love making freestanding lace. Oh, nice! Yeah, so that's mine. <laughs> cool. How about you, nice. Ginger? So for me, you know, I, I don't think I want to be that grand as, as far as like freestanding <laughs> lace. Um, you know, for me, it would be being able to just create a garment. Um, you know, probably like a jeans. Like I would love to be able to just have a really fun pair of jeans. I have a couple that I've actually bought at the store that have some embroidery on them, just some mm-hmm. fun flowers or fun, funky designs. And uh, to be able to do that on my own, I think I would just be so proud. I would wear them all the time. Like I did this. So awesome. yeah. So for me, I think yeah. that would be it. Just a, a good pair of jeans. That yeah. Have like embroidery that I you were wearing some last week Uh I think yep yep and I actually wore mine today too I got my other pair that I love they've got like these really bright wonderful flowers on (laughs) you see nice yes oh those are very yeah she, she just showed this like wonderful floral on her on it's like the side of the upper thigh it was super cute love yeah the ones we were wearing last week it was metallic stars i mm-hmm. love that love it love it it was fun I, I thought if anybody would appreciate it you ladies would so that was why whenever i get the chance to wear stuff like that it's like oh they'll totally love this so i uh, i felt good you guys all gave me a compliment <laughs> and for the record we can do that yes just, just so you know um Mine is, uh, my mine's, you know, enormous in scope, but I would love to have, like, make myself a, like, medieval gown that's just covered with embroidery from oh. head to toe, because I'm like that. Oh, yeah. I could totally see um, you in that. But oh. I would probably never actually do it, because, ooh, that's a lot of embroidery, and that's a lot of, yeah, that's, that's a lot. Um, but, yes, my dream, my dream would be. Yeah, like full on Game of Thrones, Game yeah. of Thrones style, thick nice. embroidery, just yeah, gorgeous stuff. Now that was all hand done, by the way. We have a really oh, interesting wow. article about that, um, which I think is on our website. I'll have to see if I can find it, but um, it's yeah, cool stuff. Oh yeah. All right, let's take a little break, and in a bit, let's uh, come back and you can ask me some questions. Ooh. Sounds good. So now that we have discussed what machine embroidery is, why we love it, what our dream embroidery projects are, now we're going to take advantage of the managing editor, Kate, (laughs) her of creative machine embroidery, her expertise in the uh, embroidery sector. So um, I have some questions for you, Kate. And uh, I think, Ginger, if you have any questions too, just hop Mm -hmm. on in. But I have written some down that I, I... 
think will help me if I get answers to them uh, in my future embroidery projects. So the first one I have for you, Kate, is how do you know what's the best stabilizer for your embroidery project? I know there's spray on ones, there's fusible ones, there's water soluble. Like, how do I know if I need one to go away or to if I iron on it after? Like, I how do you know? Is there any tips on that they can give us? Well, I mean, to be perfectly honest, my big uh, dramatic tip is I usually Google it if I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm actually going to I'm going to take a moment to recommend um, Embroidery Library, which is uh, emblibrary.com. They have a whole section um, called Fabrics 101. It's under their projects tab on their main page. And they talk about all of these different fabrics and what stabilizer you want to use and give you tips and tricks for working with those particular fabrics to embroider on them. And so whenever I'm not sure <laughs> what I need to do, I go and I look on that. And nice. that, that will usually kind of give me the um, give me the hint I need if I'm not already sure. Um, the the first thing I like to think about if I'm you know not just going to straight up Google it is um, what do you what what is the back of this going to be? Mm. Does, is it going to get seen? Is it not going to be seen? Is it going to be you know like on your jacket? Um, it's Maybe in certain circumstances, people might see it, but when you're just wearing it on your body, it's not really going to be obvious. Um, For the pillows I made for the pets, it was completely enclosed within the pillow, so it really didn't matter what the back looked like. Um, And I kind of go from there. Um, I usually use a cutaway if I don't need to worry about what the back looks like. Um, I often use a tearaway when I'm using my, um, if I'm doing like a in the hoop project, because you usually want to be able to get that really um, well away from the edges and the tearaway is usually best for that. Um, Water soluble for anything where the back is likely to be seen um, Mm, or where, or if you're doing freestanding lace, you need water soluble so it disappears out of the lace. Mm -hmm. Um, My tip with water soluble, I'm just going to say it right now. Go find some that looks like fabric um, because they have the the film type and the film type is great as a topper, but it's usually not really sturdy enough to hold the um, to hold a lot of the embroidery. It it perforates really easily and then it gets weaker the more you stitch on it. So um, if you're going to do something that requires a lot of water soluble stabilizer, find some of the stuff that is um, that, that looks like fabric. Uh, Jenny Haskins has a really nice one. I like that one a lot. I think Sulky has a really nice yeah, one, Yeah, I was too. just going to ask you, like, if there's any particular brands that you feel like. Because I know sometimes when I go into the store, it's almost as overwhelming as fabric. Like, oh, my gosh, there's so many sold yeah. you know, stabilizers yeah. to pick from. Like, how do you, you know, what, are there any you really recommend? Um, I have I have certain ones. Uh, okay, I'm going to be completely honest with you all. Um, we have a... Uh, a many, many year long collection of people who produce stabilizer sending us stabilizer samples. Mm. Um, And so when I go to get stabilizer, I just go to our sewing room and dig through the stabilizer and find what I need. And half the time, it doesn't even have a label on it, so I don't even know what it is. But I will say that, like I said, there's a Jenny Haskins 
Um, water soluble I really like. I do like Sulky. Their soft and sheer is really nice for like basic stuff, especially cottons um, and linens. Um, those are the two that really jump out at me. Um, uh, Floriani has a mm-hmm. lot of great stabilizers as well. Um, so I really just kind of kind of look and try some out, see what you like. I mean, that's hard mm-hmm. to say. It's easy for me to say because I have all of these different ones mm-hmm. that I can try. Mm-hmm. And it's harder if I'm saying go spend $17 on a roll of stabilizer you might not like. Um, so I don't know. Um, maybe ask th- ask the people at the store that you're at um, if they have any recommendations. I mean, I'm happy to give like specific stuff if it's like, you know, I need X. Mm-hmm. I But it's harder if I just want, if I'm just like, I just tell me what kind of stabilizer to get. That, that that broadly, it's really hard to to answer that question. Mm-hmm. And that- this raised another question. I just thought of: Can you just you? I know I've done this. Can you just use straight up interfacing as a backing? <laughs> um, <laughs> like just regular interfacing. You can, but it's not really recommended, and that's okay. because stabilizer is literally meant to stabilize. Um, mm-hmm. Interfacing is meant to support your fabric as it's worn. Mm-hmm. And so it has oh. a certain amount of give and yes, movement yeah. um, because you don't want it to be completely solid and unmoving mm-hmm. within the garment that you're using. Whereas when you're embroidering, you do want your stabilizer to be completely solid and unmoving oh. because the stabilizer needs to hold the fabric in place and make sure it doesn't wobble. That's why you'll find a lot of times if um, you're embroidering on a knit, the recommendation will be that you want to cut away, which is the most stable, um, because the knit's going to wobble all over the place, but the cutaway is going to keep it in place. So it sounds like planning Um, out, you know, what you're ultimately going to be doing, you know, is really going to determine the the stabilizer that you're going to, you know, so really knowing like, okay, if it's lace, I'm going to need it to to go away. So I need Uh the water soluble and and, and this and that. So really just thinking that through and not just being like, oh, it's stabilizer and grabbing it and going. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You don't want to try to make, uh, you don't want to try to make freestanding lace on um, cutaway stabilizer because it's not going to go well for you. (laughs) Yeah. Totally All sounds right, like something that I would down. do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my next question is, how do you know when to hoop and when not to hoop? I know, like, you obviously have to hoop something if you're embroidering, but sometimes, um, like, you don't hoop the stabilizer, you do. And I just realized that there's this thing called hoop burn that I never knew about until I read it in CME. <laughs> and <laughs> okay, well, and that's actually what my note next to my question is. It just oh, says great. hoop burn. <laughs> so, so uh, what Meg is specifically talking about is if you um, – if sometimes you need to just hoop the stabilizer and then attach oh. the fabric to the top of the stabilizer without putting it into the hoop. Um, and that is generally because it will have something called hoop burn. And hoop burn basically means you put it in the hoop and you take it out of the hoop and you can still see the hoop on the fabric. So um, that happens with things with nap. Mm-hmm. Um, so with some exceptions, like you can actually hoop minky. 
Um, but if you hoop velvet, when you take it out, the velvet nap will yep. be crushed. And what you're mm-hmm. going to have is you're going to see mm-hmm. the hoop. Um, similarly, you can't hoop leather. Um, it's hard to hoop things like vinyl. Um, and sometimes you want to embroider a piece that's already cut out and it's too small to actually fit in the hoop. Right. Um, I've done that plenty of times in my life, actually. So what you want to do in those circumstances is just f- pick your stabilizer, hoop your stabilizer, hmm. and then you take a temporary spray adhesive or you uh, choose a stabilizer that actually has adhesive on it. You'll hear it called sticky stabilizer a lot of the time. Um, and it's basically like a sticker. Like the, mm-hmm. there's um, the stabilizer on the bottom, there's a layer of adhesive, and then there's paper on top to keep the adhesive from sticking to things. So you oh. can hoop that, and then you, um, you grab like a pin and just score the paper in the hoop, and then you can just peel it out, and then you're left with basically a sticker oh. on stabilizer in the hoop, and then you can press. I like I like that better than temporary spray adhesive myself, yes, but yeah. um, we're almost out of that stabilizer in our stash, so I've been using the <laughs> spray <laughs> adhesive more. But anyway, then you can just press it on, and so the fabric is not in the hoop, only the stabilizer is in the hoop, but as long as oh. you stick the fabric to the stabilizer, pretty sturdily, then you can still embroider the same way. So, um, wow! And if you're not sure, um, get a scrap and um, put it through the hoop, and then pull it out. And if it has left ugly marks that you can't get rid of on your fabric, that's when you need to um, do something without hooping it. Nice, but when cool. in doubt, it sounds like just use the stabilizer or just hoop the stabilizer. When in doubt, right? If, yeah, if when you in really doubt, if you're if yeah. you're not sure and and you're in your feel, well, I mean, like if it's quilting cotton, just yeah. go ahead and hoop it. It's fine. Yeah, if it's linen, yeah. hoop it. It's fine. Um, but if you're not sure, if it's silk and you're worried that it's going to burn, um, if it's something like really expensive fabric, leather, any of that, just go ahead, hoop the stabilizer, stick on the fabric, and go from there. Nice. Nice. Hashtag hoop it, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> hoop it, it's fine. I like that. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> oh, that no, that was actually so helpful. I think one time I just, I, I hooped the fabric, but like not the stable. I don't know. So, or I've left, I'd done a tea towel where it was, th- it was like, and I had like huge gaps because mm-hmm. I don't know. So I never even thought of just to hoop the stabilizer and then you just, I don't know. But that was great. That was great. Kate, <laughs> really helped me. <laughs> Oh, okay. So now next question. Any special uh, machine needles? Do I need to, I maybe switch the feed. I put on the uh, embroidery unit. Do I need to switch my needle? I would recommend it. Um, And the reason for that is that when you're, when an embroidery machine is stitching, it is usually stitching a lot faster than a regular sewing machine would be stitching. It's going up and down real fast, and that's creating a lot of friction, which is going to make it more likely that the thread is going to break. So um, embroidery needles, specific embroidery needles, they have a bigger hole, so Mm -hmm. less friction, and a bigger shank, which is um, the kind of the cutout spot in the back, Mm -hmm. which also reduces friction. So um, go for embroidery needles for basic stuff. You can also, if you don't have an embroidery needle, if you just broke your last one, um, or if you're trying to do something a little bit more heavy duty and the embroidery needle is just not cutting it, go for a top stitching needle because they're they're made to take thicker thread 
um, because your top stitching is usually your top stitching thread is um, thicker than normal sewing thread. So they also have the bigger hole and the bigger shank to allow for that. So top stitching needles are a great substitution in there. Um, if you're sewing on thicker leather, you'll probably need a leather needle. That's just, you're, you're going to need the, um, the, the cutting point. Um, but for thinner leather, you can often get away with that top stitching needle. And then also I'm going to mention, if you are using a metallic thread, I always use a metallic needle. Um, again, because of friction issues, metallic needles have that bigger eye and, um, and that deeper shank. And uh -huh. so they are also usually pretty good for embroidery. Though if you're embroidering with metallic thread, my best recommendation is to slow down your machine. If your machine has the option, slow it as slow mm. as it'll go. Cause you want to keep that friction reduced as much as you possibly can. Nice. On the thread front, is it okay to mm -hmm. mix your threads like within an embroidery? Um, could you do like some metallics in with, you know, something else? Like, does that matter or do you yeah, want to? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. That's absolutely cool. fine. You might want to, you might want to think about like changing out your, your needle in the middle of the embroidery. Okay. If you're going to like do a metallic step, you might want to put in a metallic needle instead of a regular one. But there, there are actually no rules about, um, thread. You can do whatever you want. Nice. It's, it's, it's create, it's a creativity thing. <laughs> Awesome. But yet again, <laughs> then it becomes overwhelming because then it's like you're, the sky's the limit. And yes. I'm like, oh, no, yeah. what do I, I like this, but maybe I like that or maybe I like this or that. Yeah. So, yeah. I try I try to um, I try to usually stick with either shiny or not shiny Okay. Um, for my own aesthetics. But mm -hmm. if you want to mix the shiny and the not shiny, as long as you're doing it mindfully, it's fine. Yeah. Um, and by that, I mean shiny rayon polyester, uh -huh. the ones that not actual metallics um, but metallics can make great uh, accent mm -hmm. yeah for sure all right this is fun what's next yeah so talking about thread that just kind of it's not listed on here but now I have a question about my bobbin so mm -hmm. it's okay so if you are okay this might be a couple of questions <laughs> so if you're doing a metallic thread do you need a metallic bobbin can I keep the same bobbin okay that's a, a separate question from the metallic question can i just keep the same color bobbin in for like the entire design with different colors tops or do i have to switch it to the same color for the top thread okay oh, i don't know no I, I know what you're asking <laughs> so what so what i would say is um Again, it's like with the stabilizer, you want to think about whether the back is oh, going the, to be seen. Right. That, that's how I always think of it. If the back is not going to be seen or if it's mostly going to be hidden, I just use one bobbin. I use okay. a white bobbin. Maybe if it's a dark fabric, I'll use a black bobbin. That's oh, okay. it. Period. End of story. Um, if, I am, if you're doing um, lace, if you're doing... Uh, freestanding lace, you'll be able to see both sides, and so you want to have a matching bobbin for that. Mm. Um, if you are doing just one color, if you're doing everything in one color, it's probably better to do a matching bobbin just so mm. if anything ends up poking through, it's not weird. Um, for the metallics question, I... Again, it depends on what the final thing is. Most of the time for metallic, I will use a, a coordinating non-metallic. So if I'm like mm, if I'm okay. like going with gold, uh, like a metallic gold, I'll get like a, a goldish color back oh, okay. that kind of matches the color. Um, that's that's kind of my 
um, tendency, but you can absolutely use metallic thread in the bobbin if you're doing like a piece of freestanding lace that's in metallic thread, that's totally fine. Um, but again, you have a tendency, the metallic thread tends to break more. Mm-hmm. And so if you put something that's not metallic in the bobbin, you kind of have a better chance of not having thread breakages during the the stitching. Now, do you ever use any of the invisible threads um, as far as like uh, that goes? Because I know I've personally never used them, but I've been intrigued by them. And it seems like this is something where that could be a handy thing. Um, I never have. I'm I'm not sure how that would work, honestly. I'm afraid it would be problematic t- because the f- the material's different. But yeah. like I said, I've never tried it, so I don't actually have an answer to that nice. question. Nice. Might have to test it and see. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I, mm-hmm. Like I said, I've always been intrigued by those, but I've never actually tested them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Something to think about, something to ponder. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Did I answer your question, <gasps> Meg? Pardon? Did I yeah, answer yeah, your no, question? Yeah, you- yeah, you definitely did. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> I, th- I thought Thanks. I did. I thought I was following what you were asking, but I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, no, no, you did. You you did, and now I'm. I'll be confident in my bobbins for my next project. <laughs> 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 oh, okay. Is there any like never embroider fabrics? Is there, or does every fabric have a way of doing it? Or is, or can you just think off the top of your head, like just never embroider this fabric um i don't think i have anything off the top of my head that's like don't ever 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 do that the only okay. thing i would say is if it's a really loose weave like okay. a really oh, like yeah that makes sense um like a gauze or something yeah, mm-hmm. like uh, but i think i have embroidered gauze and it's been fine hmm. i think if we're talking like like the really really loose weave gauze like the kind that you actually mm-hmm. use for bandages mm, um yeah. that is probably too too loose or if you have like a really Mm -hmm. open weave uh, sweater knit um, Mm. because you you do need the the stitches need something to hook on to they need need something under there and if um, if they're done right the stabilizer should be able to hold most of that Mm -hmm. but um, with certain kinds of embroidery it kind of depends like a freestanding lace is designed to hold together so freestanding lace is you know you can have it with no fabric at all but if you're doing like a a a light stitching thing on something very open we have i don't i just don't think it's going to hold once the Mm. stabilizer is gone um other than that um you have to think a little bit when you're doing something that perforates permanently so that's the same things that you have to that you can't pin basically um, anything like vinyls, cork, mm-hmm. uh, leather, anything that a, a pin will put a permanent hole in or a needle will put a permanent hole in, it's usually fine to embroider. You just want to make sure you're choosing your design well mm-hmm. because if the stitches are too dense, they'll end it'll up... It'll just fall through. Yeah, it, right? it'll, it'll oh, end okay. up breaking it apart and the pieces yeah. will come out. So um, I always recommend doing something, what I just refer to as light stitching. It doesn't have a lot of fill. It's mostly line work Mm. Um, Mm. when you're working on stuff like that. That's my own preference. I've seen people embroider really, really filled things, lots of satin stitches, dense stuff on um, leather. And (laughs) those people know what they're doing better than I do. They've made it work. But uh, just be aware that that is the kind of thing you really need to do test stitching on. Make sure that you test, you know, 
something similar to the embroidery on a scrap before you actually try to embroider it so that you can find out before you start on the actual project if it's going to go awry. Yeah, especially if you're spending all that time making a beautiful leather jacket mm-hmm. and then, ah. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, just two more questions here. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one is about any placement tips in relation to the screen and the hoop. Because sometimes like the bottom of my screen, and this might be different from machine to machine company, but the bottom of my screen on my embroidery machine is like not really the exact bottom of my hoop. Mm-hmm. And like that sometimes, I don't know. It's just, I have a really hard time. Like only half the time it's where it's high enough that I meant it to go and when right. I hoop it. So that's just, is there any tips? Okay. So one of the things, first thing I'm going to tell you to do is look through your um, machine um, settings and see if you can put your, turn on your hoop because um, my machine has that same thing where the bottom of the screen is not the bottom of the hoop, but I can actually turn on the settings so it will show me where where the hoop actually is, uh, where the embroidery field is actually, uh, because the, the, um, the machine will not embroider all the way to the edges of the hoop because it will the uh, foot will start running into the um, hoop. So right. there's there's a border there. So that's that's just for your reference. That's not an actual answer to the question. Um, <laughs> so my my favorite way to do this, if I'm not sure how how to put position something right, is to make a template. Um, so basically, what you want to do. Um, is if you have embroidery software or you have something free that you can open your design on, um, there's a really great um, there's a really great website site uh, willcom.com. They make mm. um, they make embroidery software, but they have a free online one that does some really basic stuff. Um, oh. and it takes a it takes a little bit of tweaking there because they don't always print one to one. But um, you want to print a picture of your design. Um, if you have um, a lot of times if there's a, a stat sheet with it, those will have um, actual size designs on them um, and you can just print that sheet out and then you you just cut that out. you leave a little space around the edge. you don't have to cut it like really, really precisely. but mm-hmm. there will be lines on it that indicate the center of the design. And you oh. clip open those lines and fold the edges back mm-hmm. on opposite corners. So you have two little triangles that are folded back. And then you've got the center of the design right there. And then you can take your uh, template and you can basically hold it up, figure out where you want it. And then once you've decided exactly where you want to put it, you mark that center through the template because you folded back the edges. And um, then you have your exact center spot. And then all you have to do when you hoop it, regardless of where that, you try to get that as close to the center of the hoop as you can. And then you can move the machine needle little tiny bits to get it to that exact spot. And that is how I usually hoop something. Wow. Okay. Is that helpful? That is so helpful. Like, I, yeah, I just, that is a game changer for me. Mm-hmm. No more guessing. No more eyeballing. Right. Oh, yes. Don't, <gasps> no, don't that's eyeball so it. smart. Yeah, just just figure out exactly where you want that center point to be and ma- yeah. and line the, the needle up with it. Because even if it doesn't start stitching there, before yeah. it starts, it will usually but be a aligned, design center. right, in the mm-hmm. cen- design center. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, so helpful. Okay. Oh my gosh, I'm wow. so glad that helped. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, that that actually really helped. Thank Tem- you. Templates are great. Okay. I use them all the time when I'm nice. trying to position something. I didn't, I, I wouldn't even thought of that. Like, jeez. <laughs> okay, last question. You should read Creative Machine Embroidery more. <laughs> I we know. all well, should. I, I, I do, I just, you know, I don't know. I look no, at the I pictures. No, I know, I <laughs> know. The last time we did anything about that was like in 2015. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Oh, okay, last question, because this happens to me all the time. What can you really do if you're in the middle of a machine embroidery design and like the top thread breaks and it like does like a little st- and then it's it realizes that it's the check upper thread and then it's done some of the stitches and then you have to, there's like a gap in the embroidery design. Right. The, the thread broke. It kept stitching for a few it stitches. It kept stitching. You can't like can, you can't go back again. This might be machine to machine, but you can go back. Oh, you can go back in time? Yes. I've never successfully done that. Um, So as far as I know, okay, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to, this is the first time I'm going to say this to you today, Meg. You need to read your instructions. (laughs) (laughs) Or just look up this one thing on your instructions, because I have never worked with a machine that did not give you the option of scrolling back through, back or forward through your design. And um, depending on the level of machine you have, like, like your new one might probably will allow you to like tell it exactly what stitch you want to go to. But everyone that I've ever worked on will let you just step back one stitch at a time. And that's what you want to do. Once you oh. re, once you rethread your machine, you just want to find whatever oh. button or spot that you need to press to step back through your design. Wow! And you just step back and you just watch how the hoop moves because the hoop is what's actually moving. Oh. The needle yeah. never moves. And right. you watch until you've over, like you've actually gone back. So you're overlap. I like to overlap the stitches right before it broke, just to oh give it, gosh. just to make sure there's no gap. And yeah. then you just put your foot down and press go, and it'll start stitching from that point, and it'll stitch right over that gap. Nice. That's so amazing. You're saying, I usually just yeah. yes. Oh yeah. I uh, here. <laughs> I'll just say what I do quick. So I usually just start again, or I have had the gap, and then I just take my mich- like my hand needle, and I just kind of go through and fill in the gap. So yeah, I you don't would need to do that. You just, can just run your machine back. Oh my gosh! I had literally had no idea you could do that. <laughs> Definitely going to read my instruction manual. Yeah, just just find just find that spot because it will be somewhere. Like I said, I've never I've never worked on a machine that didn't give you that option. It would have to be a really old machine. Um, and like I said, some of the some of the lower end machines, you might have to do one one little step at a time. The one I have, you can do it by ones, tens, or hundreds. Um, nice. The the Husqvarna Viking Epic here in the office, you can actually say, "I want to go to this specific stitch." Um, course i never know what that wow. stitch is so so yeah nice so basically you're saying that each machine comes with its own flux capacitor like you, know, yes. you can go back in time you can go back in time that's <laughs> yeah, cool that was like my geekiest moment ever <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and oh. honestly there are certain things that all machines will do all machines you can move the needle at least a little bit to get it centered perfectly all machines will should be able to run back in your stitches uh, stitch sequence um, so you know figure out how to do it and um, it doesn't mean you have to read the entire manual cover to cover but same way whenever I start working with a new machine I usually go and I look up how to thread it just to make sure I'm not doing something real stupid um, just just go and find where that one spot is that allows you to run back <laughs> or forward sometimes um, I uh, sometimes I work with designs that have like 
random stitches that'll just stitch like three times in a spot and then it'll jump stitch to another spot and I don't know why it does that. But if you ever work with those, you can just run it forward until it goes to where you want it to stitch and you can skip those stitches and you don't have to pick them out. Right. Yeah. Nice. So yet again, practice. It sounds like, you know, just seeing, you know, getting used to your machine and and doing all that. Definitely. It it would help. And and it is. It can be tough sometimes. I I spent most of my time learning on a baby lock destiny. And sometimes when I sit down in front of the Husqvarna Viking Epic, I just sit there and I'm like, I know it's possible to do this. How do I do it on this machine? (laughs) Right. Once you get to know your own machine, Mm -hmm. then you can just do whatever you need to do. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much, Kate, for answering. I know this episode is probably going to be one of our longest, but I just had so many (laughs) questions and I hope that our listeners um, appreciate uh, and I know they will because I if they don't know as much as embroidery as I do, then they uh, I know I learned a whole lot. So thank you so much, Kate. Oh, you are welcome. It was really fun to answer your questions. And I hope that for those of you out there who don't machine embroider, this was not like hideously tedious. I hope it it made you interested in this really cool technique that you can do. Mm Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you, Ginger, I think you have a coupon code for us. I do. Yes. For those of you I had had mentioned at the top of the show, uh, we have our Zen Embroidery Series, basically, that's uh, available. It just went up today. As I mentioned, I was all weekend just madly getting it all ready. (laughs) And uh, we have Zen 1, Zen 2, and then you can buy it as a combo as well. So we are going to, I'm going to offer up a a $50 off coupon. Oh, wow. $50. Yes. Nice. Uh, So you can use that. And all you have to do is sew and tell 50. It's all caps. And it's the ampersand. Is that the mm-hmm. the and in the middle? Yep. And uh, it will be available. Registration it runs from today, which uh, today is uh, the third of February. So it goes runs when we're from recording. When we're recording, uh, <laughs> yeah. from the third of February to uh, uh, March thirtieth. And registration closes at the beginning of March, which is going to be March second. Uh, so uh, use that coupon up until March second. It will be there waiting yeah. for you guys. Please check this course out. It really is pretty amazing. If you have not if you have very limited or even intermediate skills, it kind Mm -hmm. of offers up for both of those. And uh, Zen One offers up 12 embroidery projects that you can get with it. Plus, you get 15 bonus designs with that. In Zen Two, they have nine embroidery projects, and you get that same 15 uh, bonus uh, embroidery designs. But if you get the combo, then you get all of it. So definitely go and check it out. There's tons of information. It is on the Sew Daily TV site. And uh, highly recommend uh, you guys go check that out when you see some of those designs that are included in the fun projects that they have with it. I, if For years now, I have been dying to try some of these and just haven't gotten around to it, but I'm feeling very motivated now. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to get in that class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's uh, jump into our Sojo now. For anyone who doesn't remember, Sojo is what is currently giving us our sewing mojo, making us feel excited about sewing. And we hope Woo. that we're generally uh, pushing you towards new Sojos every time we have one of these episodes. So, Meg, why don't you start us off? Yeah, well, mine's kind of similar to what I was uh, – well, last, last time I was – uh, my sojo was prepping all my film samples, but now that that's done and great, it went well. Um, I'm back on sewing my these camo pants, and now 
I am 100% going to embroider them because I love mixing like camo with like a like a girly like floral or or something. So now I'm totally going to embroider some like because there's lots of flaps and details. So I'm definitely adding some embroidery to that. Uh, Oh my gosh, that sounds so so cute. It does. I love that too. It gives that girly look to that, uh, you know, kind of macho camo. I love it. Yeah. Utility kind of, Mm -hmm. yeah, utility pants. So yes, that's mine. Nice. How about you, Ginger? What's your sojo? So I committed to my daughter's play is at the end of the month, and I volunteered to help on costumes. So I am. They are doing Aladdin. So I. It's. It's actually. It was a great one to start with because it's a lot of tunics and genie Mm -hmm. pants. Um, I'm in charge of the guards, so it has been so (laughs) much fun. I found a fun little. I think it was like a McCall's pattern that just was a little pair of genie pants. I was telling Meg about them when she was here filming. Yeah. And uh, the first pair. I was like, they had pockets and this and that. And after that, I was like, yeah, nobody else is getting pockets. I was like, that's it. We're done. Like, I, got, I got six more of these to make. So that's not happening. So, uh, yeah. So I'll definitely, I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys some pictures and you oh, can yeah. see them. I mean, they're just made oh, out of muslin. Yeah. And then we're going to do vests with different colors in the vests. Mm-hmm. But, um, oh, my God. And it's all ranges of sizes, too, because I've got a little tiny first grader who needs these tiny little pair of pants. Oh, my God. They're so cute. And then I've got some taller ones that also need them as well. So that's what I've really been kind of focusing. I went to Kate when I, I, I was contemplating volunteering and I went to her and I was like, Kate, do you think I can do this? And she was like, yeah, you can totally do it. I was like, I don't know whether she was lying or not. I was not. But I did. I committed and so far it's been a lot of fun. Awesome. So I have until the end of the month. I still have four more pairs, five more pairs of pants to make, or no, four more pairs of pants to make and only one more of the tunics to make. So nice. I do need to, to kind of uh, tailor the tunics a little mm-hmm. more and like trim them around them, but I'm excited about that. And then I have to say my other thing, Meg, you looked so adorable on film last week when we were filming with you she had all these high-waisted pants I want to make me some high-waisted pants I was like oh my gosh like especially the jeans I loved those I'm like obsessed with them so I want to find a good pattern and I want to definitely do that and make a pair of those Nice. How about you, yeah. Kate? What do you got? Oh well, you know, actually, I'm. You guys are so excited. I'm. I'm. I'm embarrassed to say, but I'm kind of in a. I'm kind of in a slump right now. I'm oh, kind of no. kind of losing my sojo a little bit. And um, if you've listened to our sewing slump episode, which is almost a year old now, I think, you'll wow. know that this doesn't actually bother me that much. But. Um, it's just it's just part of my cycle of sewing, mm-hmm. um, but I'm sitting at this spot right now where nothing's really inspiring me, and I I've got lots of things that I could be working on, but and I just I just can't right now, and that is absolutely fine with me. Um, yeah, I was recently um, looking through a bunch of. Um, hand embroidered things actually um and so i've been thinking that maybe if i can get the cat to leave me alone for a little (laughs) while i might try to do some small hand embroidery projects just to kind of get me back in there and see how i'm feeling um but we'll see if that actually pans out and you know maggie well i can jump start you and get you some genie pants (laughs) (laughs) if if you need help with it if you if you're in a dire straits i'll be happy to help you with genie pants i may take you up on that but uh, (laughs) i don't know if i'll get you out of your slump or not but Uh, yeah i don't know either but you know, costume sewing is is kind of my my thing. So, yep, yep. Um, if anybody's going to appreciate it. it, it would be you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, oh. um, so yes, I don't have much of a sojo right now, but that's okay with me. That is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. 
Let's move on to our sew and tell. So last uh, last episode, we asked you guys to indulge us and tell us why <laughs> do you guys listen or why do you like listening to sew and tell? And we just appreciate really every, I read every single one and they just all warm my heart. So I thank you all. Um, and now we're just going to read a few of them. All right. Uh, we're going to start with uh, C. McCall, 522SOS, who said, I love the vibe all three of you have, the different perspectives you share, and that you're not afraid to admit mistakes or giggle about things that maybe get messed up. <laughs> you really keep it real. Hashtag have you stitching. And I love that. Yeah. Thank you same. so much. Nice. Yay. I get to read one too. I'm so excited. So this one is from, <laughs> it's from me, Yana, and I think it's Lila. Is that how you say it? L-I-L. That's how I'd guess yeah, it. Yeah. A. Um, and she says, I don't have a sewing community here in Brazil. They listen in Brazil. That's, That's so, so cool. cool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. And it's, uh, she says, uh, when I listen to people who get along so well having a chat, it makes me feel like I actually have someone to share my hobby with. That's so sweet. That That's awesome. So sweet. I'm, I'm so happy we can make you feel that way. Yeah. And uh, the last one from Natalie Strand, they said, whenever I listen to an episode, I get really fired up to sew something for myself. I enjoy every part of the podcast, but I especially love your friendly banter. I don't have many in-person sewing friends, so it's fun to have the company. And I love that too. I, I always get fired up to sit, whatever the topic we're talking about. I feel like ever every episode, I'm I'm ready to jump in. Like right now, I'm ready to open up my instruction manual and <laughs> embroider that camo. Uh, we have her saying it on tape now. We do. Uh, we got it recorded. I know. I know. Well, and I know on my way into work, like I got to listen to you guys. I wanted to be up on the latest episode and uh, it is amazing. You guys do fire us up. Like you really, really do. And aw. can I just say in the last one, you guys had mentioned how uh, mint chocolate chip is your favorite uh, flavor. <gasps> Uh, yeah. yeah, count me in. That's really? me too. I was like, I'm an ice cream <gasps> oh sister too. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, you know the funniest thing? We asked Amanda that the other day. She's like, Yeah, yeah. mint chocolate chip. Oh my god! So what apparently, is it? it's just a thing here. That's right. We we need to that get like barrels so of it and crazy. just have it available. Yeah. <laughs> next time, Ma next time Meg's in town, we're having like a mint chocolate chip party. I love it. Oh, uh, I think yeah. I think in an upcoming CME, there needs to be a mint chocolate chip like cone embroidery design just to like, because I want that on like something. On everything. <laughs> oh my. Gosh, and actually, if you go to the Zen course, there is a cute little uh, ice cream cone design. It's very, very cute. So. Oh, is there? Just saying. Oh, oh, and you could do it in green, mint green, oh, and oh my gosh, go. so in. Yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> all right. All well, right. Thanks so much for tuning in and all your lovely expertise, Kate, again. Oh, thank you. And thank you so much to everybody who wrote nice things to us um, on our on our question. And I just realized we forgot to ask this week's question, didn't we? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did that again. <laughs> Jumping oh, ahead. Like in the guys. middle of my sentence, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes, I should ask it. Oh, yes. my, my papers are all in a tizzy. Do you it's need like me that to do it? section gets, yeah, I do have it. <laughs> yes, I do. All right, so for this for this episode, in tune with our embroidery question, oh we're going to ask, what's your favorite embroidery style? And uh, we left that very open-ended. What style means exactly is kind of up yeah. to you. So give us your answers. Yeah. And in the I think you, yeah, you might need to put me off the sew and tell section. I forgot to ask the <laughs> yeah. question twice now. <laughs> I'm banned from this section banned of from the this section. All right. I'll note, Meg is banned from this section. Okay. <laughs> I'm just, we won't ban you. 
All right, everybody, thank you so much for talking embroidery with me. I actually really enjoy talking about machine embroidery and thinking about machine embroidery, and you guys asked such good questions. Um, this was really fun for me. I hope you guys had fun, too. Oh, my mm -hmm. goodness, I learned so much. Thank you guys so <laughs> much for inviting me. Anytime I can come back, please just ask. I'll be here. Definitely. Yeah. We will do that. All right, everybody, thanks. Bye. Happy stitching. Bye. Happy stitching. For links to everything we talked about in this episode, go to our show notes page at sodaily.com slash sewandtell. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at sewandtellpodcast at goldenpeakmedia.com or visit us on Instagram at sewandtellpod. Answer the sewandtell question, tell us your sojo, or just leave us some feedback. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice. And please leave us a review, ideally a good one, because that helps listeners like you find our podcast. And tell your sewing friends about us, too. Thanks for listening, and happy stitching. Sew and Tell is produced by Meg Healy, Amanda Carestio, and me, Kate Zeinard. Our consulting producer is Ron Doyle, and our executive producer is Jared Mayer.